with nearly every success, there is a line of failures and setbacks, sometimes a very long line. Many of those stories get condensed into pithy journeys that minimize the struggle. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azalay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about triumph and disaster that Mark's guests faced and how they overcame the adversity to shine. Now, here's your host, Mark Azalay. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm sitting across from Marlis Woods, uh, a music therapist. You're the owner and founder of Get In Tune Music Therapy. Um, I think we met at, what was it, like some Harmony Foundation event or North Star Transitions event, some North networking Star. thing, North yep. Star event. Yeah, you had moved to Colorado recently at that time. Um, I think I was talking about, I don't know, <laughs> marketing maybe, I don't know, group therapy, one of those things. Um, and you were, you were excited. So I'm great that we got to reconnect and talk in this format. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I Yeah, the I met you. I think you were talking about marketing at North Star Transition. It was like my first networking meeting after moving out here. And I was like, this guy's got good energy. He's fun. <laughs> I like all the shit he talks about. Let's see. <laughs> Wonder if I'll ever talk with him again. <laughs> Yeah, when I do those presentations, I like uh, practicing my stand-up comedy routines. I feel like I just like make fun of the industry, and but they keep inviting me back, which is pretty wild. Yeah, know? I feel like you make fun of the industry and yourself, and I'm like, these are all really relevant, smart things. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. on this show, we talk about uh, you know true stories of triumph and defeat, stories of overcoming adversity, um, you know, being kicked in the teeth and getting back up stronger. And we talked before, and you have quite a story. I'd love to hear it. Yes, I. Uh, in years ago, I would have told you I had no story, um, but after going through my marriage and family degree, I learned I got a story. <laughs> so yeah, I'd uh, I'd love to share it. So um, I am a biracial human being. I'm black and white. Uh, my parents came from two completely different backgrounds. My mom's white, grew up in upper middle class, Orange County, Catholic. Uh, My dad is black, Jehovah Witness, grew up in Watts, both places in uh, Southern Southern California. And um, they met at a ticketing agent and fell in love. So that's how my story begins. And um, pre-kid, they could do their separate religion thing and still get along and do do life great. But after having a kid, they kind of struggled with this idea of like, how do we how do we raise her, both of our religions, and we don't want her to be each other's religion. Um, and so that was the first time that I kind of learned that, ooh, there are complications with believing in a higher power or having a um, a man-made religion kind of overseeing your life. Um, so at two, my parents got a divorce, and kind of that was the story I always heard for the reason behind it. Um And then after that, they both were married multiple times afterwards, uh, collectively a larger number than all would like, most would like to admit. Um, But I, uh, and then, so I've had a lot of these experiences of this like closeness, we're merging families to then, oh, now we're not together. We're not family anymore. We don't see these people ever again. So I really developed... It, yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. When you put it that way. It was. <laughs> yeah. And I at the time didn't really see it as tough. I was very much um put on the happy face all the time and was very good at like avoiding my emotions. Kind of what I learned from that was that like 
It's better not to say anything, just pretend everything is okay, because if you do bring something up, people might leave, right? There might be issues that come up. Uh, So I had a lot of that pressure growing up, as well as the pressure of like, this is what mom believes, this is what dad believes, how do I please both, because I can tell it was really important to both of them, obviously, um, of breaking up the marriage. So it was very much like, oh, I see similarities in these, but they have really strong differences. And like, how do I choose? How do I choose? And, you know, having lots of conversations with them and both of them very strong in their beliefs. So it was pretty, pretty difficult, especially if I already was feeling like I can't, I can't say anything different than them or they might not be around anymore. Um, So that was really the belief that I grew up with. Um, I also really noticed this idea that like my parents were different when marriages weren't going well, right? They weren't um, maybe as attentive as I needed. Um, And I really learned again that I kind of didn't hold them to their maybe parental emotional duties. I just kept it to myself because I thought, hey, if everything is okay with me, that'll make it easier on them. And life is hard. So I'll just kind of keep it to myself. Kind of same with having a younger sister um, and being kind of the the middle of that with her and my mom. It was like, you know what? Just I'll be the good kid. I'll be the happy kid. Everyone else has got emotions and, and I got to hold space for them. So I really helped to build my <laughs> build my skills as a therapist. Um, <laughs> and so kind of growing up, you would see me. I was an athlete. I was a good student. I was the good Christian kid. I, um, I was always seemed happy. Like there was not much that you could really looking in would see. I can remember my friend in college, both of us saying like, man, we turned out so well for like, if you actually look at what happened in our life, like we really turned out pretty well. Um, but I never noticed that growing up. I was just always really happy. Um, or, or thought I was very happy. Uh, and So kind of the the flip side to that is if you were listening to the music that I was listening to, um, you would see that like most of that music was very sad and, and, and angry and very like loud belting singers just emoting their pain. Um, but I didn't realize that. I thought I was just like a singer that loved to just belt it out and like, oh, this song, like I relate to that. But like that's as far as the extent it would be that I really took any notice of my emotions because otherwise if someone was like what are you feeling I didn't have any words from it I had learned so well how to just be happy um and so that's kind of the story of like growing up high school uh middle school all of it was just like the happy-go-lucky good kid uh and then I got to college and I was going to be a famous singer and went to music therapy uh, a school that had music therapy And I had no idea about it at first. Again, I was a music major, just going to be famous. (laughs) And, um, and the, the program that I was going through shared about music therapy. And I was like, what? Like, I love psychology. I love holding space for people's emotions. So I thought, Um, and I love music, like, let's go into that degree. And even in that degree, like, I still didn't touch on my stuff yet. It was just like, get through it, get through it. And it wasn't until I got to um, to my internship for music therapy and started working with people in addiction. And I was like, man, I relate to these guys. They just want to numb out all the time. They never want to feel. And now my my I didn't have an addiction, but I was always the busy kid that like just never feeling. I related to the wanting to numb out. And so I did that by being yeah, yeah. busy and good all the time. <laughs> right. 
Um, so after that, I was like, you know, had had significant losses in my life at that point of losing what at the time, what I thought of losing my stepbrothers that I had, losing the different families that we created. Um, but still like not, as I keep repeating, you hear me, I, I didn't notice it then. Um, and it wasn't until I went back to grad school to, cause I knew that I needed more to work in addiction and where they say, Hey, look at your shit. It's right here. You got to figure this out that I learned. Oh, wow. I, I wasn't really dealing with this the best way that I could. And the music actually that I was listening to was keeping me pretty stuck. So what I thought was helping me to, to express myself, I was learning really wasn't. And as I went through that process and going to grad school and going to therapy, I was really started to become an angsty teen at, at 25, right? And I remember in high school, my friends used to say, like, you're not angsty with your parents. Why not? Like, but I didn't, I don't know. I don't have a reason to be, right? It was very, very surface level. Um, so as I got into grad school, I learned that I was very avoidantly attached. I didn't trust people. I had huge fears of abandonment. Um, I was a people pleaser. Like I can even remember like in high school, I fit into every group, but I never really felt a part of any group. Like I could fit in with the black people cause I'm half black. I could fit in with the athletes. I could fit in with the music kids. I, um, I could fit in with the popular kids, but I, I wouldn't have said like, oh yeah, I'm a part of that. Like I'm, I'm close to that group. Like, you know, so it was, I was very good at like reading the crowd um, and just, I remember saying sometimes that I felt like a shell, but really not diving any deeper into that. Um, wait, hold on. I want to slow you down for a minute. Tell me more about the shell. What does that, what does that mean to you? Just like, like there was maybe like this wall or bubble around me that people couldn't get through. They couldn't actually see what was fully going on. Um, but I didn't know that really then, like I would say, I feel like a shell sometimes, but I didn't know that meant that people weren't seeing the real me. Like if you had asked me back then, I was like, oh, I'm super open and honest with everyone. And I'm like, I'm really close to like my best friends and they know everything about me. But as I, uh, dive in, dove in and therapy, I learned like, no, they, they knew the happy, like they knew what they wanted to hear. Yeah. Right. Or and what I thought they outwards. wanted to hear. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say that this like shell is kind of what I, I see of myself back then. Like it wasn't the full person, the full Marlis. There was a, a wall up. Um, yeah. So, uh, I was going to add something to that, but I can't remember. <laughs> um, you were so, saying yeah. that the music got through that shell or music, it's something mm -hmm. that punched through and you were like, oh, I do relate to some of these lyrics. I do relate to some of these emotional tones. Yeah, that and that was the only time I would realize it really. And um, but yeah, so there were lots of different songs. The songs I were listening to, to were like Kelly Clarkson type music where she's just like belting out this pain that's like angry, that's frustrated, that's, um, you know, that's sad or some of Alicia Keys music, uh, not all, like she has a song called Caged Bird. She has a song called Prelude to a Kiss. All of these things that are talking about like being very introverted and guarded and on my own. And um, even through college, like before getting to grad school, I would have songs that matched what I was going through. Like my, my best friend in college said, 
music therapy fits for you. You have a song for everything, right? Because it was the only way I knew like, oh, if I'm dating this guy and there's a song that's about like, I don't know, him not paying attention to me or whatever it was, like that was, I was like, oh, that's how I'm feeling. Oh, okay, now I know that. Or like, that was, yeah, that was what penetrated my shell was the music. But what I say now to people is it also is like what kept me stuck because I embodied that. I was like, that's who I am. That person has the words to it. They know I I am someone that's guarded. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Right? I'm someone that, that can't express myself. I'm someone that that is alone and doesn't need people to help me with A, B, and C. And really, because I wanted to be like that artist, um, I didn't know that I could move past that, that I could ask for help, that I could share my emotions with people. Like people knew I liked these songs or they heard me sing it at events, but they didn't know why I was choosing it. I didn't know how to explain that to people. Um, And so, so yeah, it was just kind of an interesting, now looking back after I went through therapy, I can identify that those are the places where I started having my first like interactions with emotions. Um, Because I can even remember starting grad school being like, how am I supposed to help people? I know like mad, sad, and ang- and happy. Like those are the emotion words I know. Like is right? there a list yeah. of emotions to like? <laughs> Did they give you the wheel? Did they people? give you the emotional wheel? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like, I was like, I think I need to memorize this. Because <laughs> my, my range of emotion was very limited. Like if I was angry, it was for a short period of time. I put on a song called... Um, Endless Night from the Lion King. It's like from the musical. It's only in the musical. And it's the song about being like super angry. It's basically um, what's his, uh, Simba's song to his dad of like, why aren't you here? Why aren't you with me? But then like, oh, everything's going to be okay. I'll get through this. And like, so then by the end of that song, belting it out. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. I'm not mad at anyone. <laughs> so it was a... Uh, you know, just those were the ways that I was allowed. That was the box that I was allowed to let my emotions out in. And it was to me, you know, from all these different, again, the, the losing of, of closeness from different people. And then also what I learned as I got older, right, is the different culture of being biracial as well. And the different ways that the different cultures emote and express themselves and what's okay to show and not okay to show. So, and the different religions, what's okay to show and not to show, um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, there really is a theme of, like you said, floating between many different groups. You're not feeling like you truly belong to anything, mm-hmm. but finding that solace in, in music. Yeah. Where are you with that now? Do you feel like you are part of groups now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after I learned all that in grad school, I learned, okay, I don't want to be this way anymore. And I need to start to really practice opening up and sharing with people and not just saying yes, because that's what they want. And it's still hard six years later now at times, but that's not my go-to, but I have to take that pause and listen or sit and journal and write about what I'm going through and say like, oh, that's how I'm actually feeling. Okay, now I can address what's going on. I still can't, in some situations I can do it in the moment with new people, new friends, I can do it in the moment. But uh, family and and older friends, that's still a bit harder. But yeah, now I do not feel like a shell. I can very clearly express myself. I show people songs that are going through, that I'm going through. I write my own lyrics, which I didn't then. 
which is funny. I can remember a therapist in grad school saying, yeah, I had an avoidantly attached client who was a musician who like couldn't like after they started going through therapy, their ability as an, a musician to express and write songs and open up like grew immensely. And that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, that so. makes sense, right? Because you're finding words for your own internal experience. Mm-hmm. You're finding yeah. how to have your own voice. And how so, to actually feel that to create that for a piece <laughs> of music. <laughs> to, to express it in a way that's digestible for people. Yeah. Well, this has been a great, you know, journey through your story. We'll talk on the other end of the break. I think a little bit about this, you know, lost feeling um, about being between two worlds, finding your voice. I was interested in where you were talking about everything looked good from the outside. But when you went to therapy, you're like, oh, my God, I have some real problems. You know, I have like a very similar experience in in my story around that, um, getting a new frame and actually breaking through my resistance to it. Uh, So we'll have a lot to talk about. So for those of you listening at home, uh, if you're liking what you're seeing, please check us out on Facebook. Uh, Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram. It's Mark M. Azoulay at basically everything. Uh, Any kind of support you can show sharing this, uh, posting, liking, really helps to get this podcast off the ground. So stay tuned and we'll catch you on the other side of the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azoulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalea. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalea.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Sometimes I feel like I don't belong anywhere. And it's gonna take so long for me to get to somewhere. Sometimes I feel so heavy hearted, 
but I can't explain cause I'm so guarded and it's a lonely road to travel and a heavy load to bear and it's a long long way to heaven but I gotta get there can you send an angel can you send me an To guide me Ooh To guide me Wow. You have such a beautiful singing voice. I've never heard you sing. That was incredible. (laughs) Thanks. I know you were taking a risk. I was like, he never asked me to sing first. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. Yeah, that um, that song for those of you listening was uh, the song that in high school was like my song that I would say like just hit home really like a like I just related to it so much, which as you can tell is quite the opposite from what I portrayed, but which I thought at the time was really me to the rest of the world, um. And it wasn't until, actually, I'll ask Mark this first. I'll put him on the spot. As a therapist, if a client came in and like said to you, this is a song that represents me, what would be your kind of um, like reframe back to them of like what that song shows? I mean, guarded and lost, right? I mean, keeps coming up over and over again, feeling like they don't fit in, feeling like nobody truly knows them or truly sees them. Mm -hmm. And in the way, I mean, especially in the way that you sung it, there's just so much like pain and tenderness in the feeling as well that it's i feel like a really deep feeling to be known right a really deep desire to be known and yet not knowing how to get out of it so i get kind of like a trapped or a stuck feeling when i hear that song and my my therapist when i showed that to her her words were lost and and stuck and i was like what (laughs) like Like i thought it was just a nice song (laughs) it was like the first time anyone had like reflected back to me like this is what you're feeling and i remember just being like huh that is how i feel (laughs) i just and that was kind of the start of like i don't i don't want to feel that way i don't want to know and then another song that i really um just came to me right now that was in college really um, I really related to was called I Wish I Knew How by Nina Simone. And the whole thing is like, I wish I knew how to be free, how to open up, how to talk to people, how to share with them, which is so funny because I'm I'm an extrovert, right? So people, again, wouldn't expect that that was the internal. Um, and so that song you guys just heard was Prelude to a Kiss by Alicia Keys. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I have a very similar moment in my story. And... So I think just recently I'm starting to identify as an extrovert, but my whole life I thought I was introvert and I was painfully shy, right? Like couldn't buy something from a store shy. I couldn't talk to anybody, couldn't make eye contact, always looking down, always just like defeated, like really living with a lot of shame, quite frankly, and a lot of uh, suppression and, you know, repressed feelings. And uh, for me, it was Pink Floyd uh, and it was The Wall, right? It was the whole album, The Wall. 
and seeing, uh, well, listening to the song and seeing the movie that they created, which is essentially just like a music video for the whole album. <laughs> um, that was, I think, one of the first things that cracked through of being like, oh my God, I feel like this. Like these images and this music is just hitting on something that, you know, very similar to what you said, I didn't have words for, right? But it was so true in the moment. And it was, um, I mean, almost like a spiritual experience in a way, just to have something reflected so powerfully that really got through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you say now you identify as that because I still identify as an extrovert, but I realize now I need a lot more alone time than I, because alone time was terrifying back then. I, after I started therapy, I started implementing alone time (laughs) and oh my God, I would be so anxious leading up to it. Like, Maybe I should reach out to someone. Maybe I should call someone. No, 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 Marlis, you're going to sit at home tonight. Oh, no, 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 no. Like it was this back and forth leading up to it. But once I was there, I was fine. But leading up, it caused so much anxiety. And then next week I'd go to therapy and be like, I was home alone for two hours. (laughs) And I survived. I did Um, it. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And I went from like wanting to always know like, about people when I was out, if I was at a bar, if I was at a part, like a, you know, just a get together, it was like, what's going on with you? Let's talk about you. To after really, when I got further in my journey, like, I don't want to hear any of this stuff. I hear it all day long. I don't need to know what you're going through. And it was such a weird switch for me, because that was the only way I knew how to interact. Like I had, again, my good friend in college used to say, you're so good at small talk. I don't know how to do it. And I was like, yeah, you just go deep right away. I don't get what you're talking about. You just ask them how they're doing. And now I'm like, oh yeah, I don't like it anymore either. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Oh my God. I just had this conversation with another friend of mine who was a therapist is, uh, you know, so I'm out there dating right now. And the only thing I'm screening for is humor and enjoying the time together. Like actually being able to play and have fun together because Mm -hmm. with this job, it's dark, right? I mean, we hear a lot of stuff and this past year has been so dark for so many people, you know, including myself. And it's mm-hmm. it's like I'm just needing some sort of just fun. Right. Which is surprisingly hard to find. <laughs> you know, it's like harder than I would have thought. Yeah. I either want to have fun or if we're having a conversation, I want us both to be talking about like, how are we getting through this? What what coping skills are we implementing? I don't want to just hear you talk about how this guy didn't call you back over and over and over again um and not I mean I was in that place but I did a lot of work to get out of it and not care or to communicate my needs and um and so or even you know just like when it when people are just like stuck I don't want to hear that anymore because I hear it all day long and it's not helping me to move on right it's bringing me back to where I used to be so it's funny because I used to ask everyone for their opinion because I didn't have the strength enough to make my own opinion on things because afraid that everyone would leave. Um, And so everyone would know what I was going through in a relationship. Poor guys. (laughs) Everyone would know. And they would know like, what do I like? This is what I'm struggling with. I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? What do you think? Because I just couldn't, I couldn't make those decisions on my own. And now it's like, Maybe a few people will know if I'm struggling with something uh, because I I want to take the time to really think about what do I need? What do I feel? What am I going through? And then I choose to talk to people that that's their thought process too. 
Um, so it's, it's an interesting switch to, to just way of connecting with people than what I used to think was my way. Right. Right. So maybe I am more introverted. So I, like, I <laughs> because like I default to being alone. I have to work on bringing people in. My work has been bringing people in, but then realizing like, oh yeah, there is like a lot of value here and around the right people, which is where I'm connecting with you on around the right people. I'm a better version of myself. I'm a version that's better than I am alone. And that is been life-changing. I mean, that's something that I'm still actively practicing right now. You know, it makes me think, I don't forget who says this quote, maybe it's just something that's out there, but the idea of you're the average of the five closest people in your life. And I think that's very true of Mm -hmm. being really, you know, clear about who is influencing you and what you're bringing in and what you're setting boundaries with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to, at least for me, from the extroverted side, um, to let go of those old relationships also, because they've been there for so long, you're so close to them, but maybe that's not like the life I want to pursue anymore. And so it's like, but the, uh, I guess the abandonment part and the, the connector nurture in me is like, well, I still got to like nourish these relationships and just nourish more relationships. <laughs> um, so moving out of state really helped with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I mean, it gives a nice like logistical barrier that people right. aren't going to take personally yeah. and they kind of understand if it falls through. Right. Yeah. So, and there's definitely been, you know, the ones I still stay connected to, but it was, it was hard when I was going through my transitions um, of beliefs and ideas to like pull myself out of the the, the beliefs that like my original uh, group of people might have had, or stay close to the ones that are were ele- growing as well or changing as well. Um, so, just interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had to go through a similar process in addiction recovery right? I'm moving mm-hmm. out of like, you know, my other druggy friends and finding new people. And I find like, I think I'm still a floater, like we talked about, where I, I get really into groups and communities. And it, you know, work it, it serves me, you know, it's synergistic, I tend to become like a pillar in communities. And then I'm just done, right? Like, then I just like, <laughs> leave, and often like find another one. I, I, I'm not like a lifer on anything, at least not so far. Um mm-hmm. But I do extract like, you know, maybe two or three key people where I'm like, I'm keeping you forever, you know, <laughs> and over time, I've developed quite a quite a nice network of people. Um, yeah. Has that been your experience of joining many different groups? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, as far back as even high school, like I was friends with multiple different groups. And even now, like joking with my fiance, like, we had we had to just choose our siblings to be to stand up there for the bridal party because I would have had so many people right and he would have had his like five friends he grew up with like that's it he's you know the complete opposite doesn't need new friends since we've moved like doesn't need a new community where I have like the group of friends from high school the group of friends from college the group of friends I lived with the group of friends that I partied with the group you know and um so that was kind of a funny, like, um, just realization of like, I, I do move on to other groups. Like I, I like to make new friends and, and get new experiences. I, I relate it to the gym. Like I have tried so many different works at workouts because I was an athlete growing up. So I like working out, 
But like after a year of boxing, I'm bored. After a year of yoga, I'm bored. After a year of weightlifting, I'm bored. And I feel like it's uh, less with friends, but probably if like on a bigger scale looks like that, like it's like, okay, well now I'm, I spend a lot more time with this group and now with this group, but I keep friends from it. And um, like you were saying, kind of, there's a few you keep dragging with you. <laughs> so the one thing I fantasize about my future wedding, we got to, well, you know, we got to get the girlfriend first, but the future wedding is having all those different groups meet each other. Mm-hmm. Like that's where my mind goes to every once in a while. And it's like everyone on the dance floor and just imagining all these kind of like different groups of weirdos, right? Like interacting. Mm-hmm. Do you have but, that when you think so, about your wedding? Yeah, but my, I mean, mine is a fear, not a fantasy. <laughs> oh, it's a fear. What do you think is going to happen? Well, it, and it's it's happened before, like when people get together for my birthday and these different groups merge together, I'm like, are they going to like fit in? Are they going to feel comfortable or that that's the nurture in me, right? Or is everyone going to feel like they fit? Um, and it ends up being fine. But there is a lot of anxiety of like bringing together my different groups because to me, they feel so different. Um, so yeah, so yeah, mine's not a fantasy. It's the fear. <laughs> You're afraid it's going to blow up or <laughs> they're not going to like Which, each other. They're all like fine adults and I don't pick two like, crazy reactive people right so there's nothing's gonna happen but i'm like are their emotions gonna be okay <laughs> right <laughs> are they gonna feel good after this i i think i kind of want the crazy stuff to happen like i like <laughs> just like you know i guess like playing with action figures or with trucks and it's like crashing them into each other and be like i wonder like how is this person gonna like deal with this person you know yeah they're both characters and i wonder like what happens when they play off of each other i wonder if that is a difference in male female or um introvert extrovert right like women are kind of brought up to be like are you okay we can't go to the bathroom by ourselves we can't leave by ourselves we're like guys it's like oh i don't know he left i don't know where he went it doesn't matter (laughs) i'll talk to him when i talk to him right yeah he's not dead figure it out (laughs) yeah Yeah. where girls it's like she's gonna leave by herself no (laughs) so i don't know or that or just yeah, that, or I was, I grew up right as the nurturer. So always worrying about what, how are the emotions playing out? What's going to happen? <laughs> right, right. Of like trying to hold it together and trying to like maintain harmony in the system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's very nice to be, so that's where I like, why I like my alone time. I'm not worrying or managing any emotions. My fiance is very low emotional reaction. <laughs> Which maybe in the future could be a problem, but right now it's great. (laughs) Very calming. It's just, yeah. yeah. And it's just my emotions, just they're flying everywhere. (laughs) Well, the segment's been great. We're going to start to move into our commercial break. Uh, For those of you listening out there, if you're liking what you're hearing, if you want to hear Marlis on another future episode, if you have any questions for her, you can shoot an email to this podcast. Uh, The email address is podcast at mark-azulay.com. That's M-A-R-C-A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y. I'll pass on any feedback, any ideas um, straight to her. Um, and yeah, you know, next time when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, if you're out there and you're hearing, if you feel guarded, if you feel alone, if you feel lost, uh, Marissa will be talking to you about her experience and what she would want you to take away if you're in a similar situation. What would be helpful for her um, to hear when she was there? So let's get you on the other side of the break.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azoulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalea. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalea.com. Now back to From the Ashes. So in our final segment of the podcast, we like to talk to directly to listeners. If you can relate to Marlos' story, if you felt lost, torn between worlds, unable to find your voice. Um, this is your chance to hear from someone who not only, you know, works with people like that professionally, but actually has been there themselves, which, you know, I'm a huge advocate of in the work that I do. Um, and if you are looking for a therapist or you want any kind of self-development, find someone that has actually been through suffering, <laughs> that's been through hell and back. Um, I find they're a lot better at the job. Um, <laughs> so Marlis, if there's someone listening that really relates with your story, what would you want them to hear? I would like you to hear that you will survive your emotions and that it really is the key to like really figuring out who you are and what you need. Um, As uncomfortable as it still can be to feel emotions and to express them to people, once I do, once I just get it out, even if it's just to my journal, let alone to the person, this like weight is lifted off your shoulder and... And whether it's, I'm not, stick figures are rough for me, but I will sometimes use art when I don't have the words for it. Um, journaling and, and, or writing my own song, a version of my own song for what I'm going through from that song that really stuck to me. Um, once I just get it out that way, it's like, there's this, there's just words to what's going on inside. There's not this like confusion anymore or trying to force it away. Um, it often goes away afterwards. Um, And I think that it was even what was happening when I was younger, when I would listen to music, as soon as I found that song or that song found me most of the time, um, I felt better. I felt like I could move forward. 
even if now it wasn't moving, like knowing now it wasn't moving forward like I needed, but it was still, there was that relief. Um, But also whether it's, you know, then knowing I can go talk to a therapist or I can tell my wife, mom, dad, son, whoever, what I'm actually feeling and going through and getting help. Um, Oh, it just changes the game. And in my experience, the people didn't leave. Um, I had big breaks with, uh, with both of my, uh, most people in my family, ones that not big breaks, but like big moments of telling them, what am I feeling and what have I felt and what do I need from them or not being their good little Christian girl anymore. Um, and they're still around. They're still, I still have my family. I still have my loved ones. Um, and that, that was really cool to see that they didn't go away, which was my biggest fear. Um, so I can now open up to and have more connection and stronger relationships with those people than, than I had. So I would encourage you to do what you can to get it out, to get it out and to ask for help. Um, and that's, that's what music therapy for my company is all about. My company is called Get In Tune Music Therapy. And our whole goal is to teach you to use your connection to music to identify, express, and um, I should say identify, emote, and express what you're going through. Um, and so whether you can sing, whether you can, can't can carry a tune, that doesn't matter. Whether you can keep a beat or can't keep a beat, it's a lie. Everyone can actually keep a beat. <laughs> whether art is more your thing, whether writing or meditation is more your thing, uh, movement is more your way of expression. We work with all of those with a connection to music to help you to express yourself and, and start to be able to change and find healing. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really powerful of just getting it out and God, is that so much easier said than done, right? Because there's so much that gets in the way, just like you named, right. Fear of abandonment, fear of feeling, at least for me, does it feel like feeling dumb? You know, I remember being in a therapy office and the therapist was like, what do you feel? And I was like, nothing. Right. Or like, I don't know, or I don't have a good answer. And that was a real barrier for me. Um, and I think through the you know, stuff you named and that your company does through music for me, dancing was a big thing to actually help me get into my body and, and feel a little bit. Um, you know, I would do art, I would go in the woods and break sticks. Like, like I had to yes. work from yes. the bottom up because I, I didn't have that top-down process. I didn't have emotional intelligence. I just had a lot of like complicated sensations, I guess. I don't know. Or a lot of like impulsive behavior. Actually, I don't even know if I had the sensation. I think I just had impulsive behavior. And then I would look back and like, people were like, why'd you do that? It's like, I, I guess I was sad, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, I guess I was angry. And that's what happened. But it took quite a while to connect the dots for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same. I, I got to break my therapist's salt lamp once. That was awesome. Um, and Wait, hold on. How do you break a salt lamp? Is it just a giant rock? Yeah, I got to just throw it on the ground in the parking lot until it got small. <laughs> it was amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the most uh, fulfilling experiences. Like I kept going like, are you sure it's your salt lamp? Like, are you sure? (laughs) Like like she couldn't get another one, (laughs) but she was like, no, do it. I know what's been really helpful for me is my therapist eventually took, um, she did EMDR, but then also went farther into, to hypnotherapy. And so 
she doesn't completely use that on me a ton, but like just getting me into a meditative state and then allowing me to go helps me to go through uh, and feel my emotions more. Um, But definitely kind of like you said of like, I learned it was just like sensations or lack thereof. And like in the beginning of therapy with my current therapist, she would be like, so what are you feeling? Nothing. Everything's fine. Okay. Where in your body are you feeling sensations? Uh, nowhere. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Maybe in my chest. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> right. Like, why are you asking the question? <laughs> yeah. So even though I've been years in this field, right, uh, when it came to like the deep stuff that I, I chose to go to therapy for, um, it was like nothing. I don't have any emotions about it. <laughs> um, but I can break, when you have me break it, my salt lamp, thinking about whatever I'm angry about, I can do that. Or hitting a bag at a punch, um, a punching bag or banging the crap out of this drum right here. Oh man, we've had lots of fun, emotional experiences with that. Yeah. Uh, but it, and then finally the words came from having the reflections back from other people, um, or back from myself when I finally got to a place where it could be like, okay, you related to that song. So now let's sit and write your own version of that song. Even if that's just, I tell my clients all the time, even if it's just crossing out like three lines in the song that's enough then read that back to yourself and see how it's now your personal story so that you don't try like I did to embody that artist and be just like them because that's what we do when we find these artists we love especially teenagers we want to be them right and so now I personalize it and I make it my story and I've I've cathartically released it so I can look back at it and say okay if I was reading this from a different lens What would I think this person is feeling? What would I think they're going through? And what might coping skills might help them to get through it? Um, So when I do that for myself, I can now know how to move forward. Or if I can't do that for myself, because I'm still too attached to it, I have people in my life now that I can go to. And we do that a lot with drumming too. For those people that don't have the words, like you and I didn't, Mark, just, just bang on your drum. Just bang on it. What's, what do you feel like you're feeling? How would it sound? And then I can relate back to them or the group can relate back to them. Like that sounded like anger or sadness or stress. And you hear these all coming at you and you can be like, not that, not that. Yeah, that's what I feel, right? And I have a place to move forward. Um, so those are those are some of the ways that we use music or the the properties of music to really help people emote and express. Yeah, I think that's great. I do a ton of group work and the power of people reflecting back. And I think especially for people that, you know, like you and me, the avoid attachment style, being actually known and seen is like lifeblood. I mean, that's what we want because we didn't really feel that growing up. So to get that from a group of people, especially over time, can be really healing and, and truly life-changing. Uh, Mm -hmm. to have those types of connections with other individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. And then when you have music attached to it, it just really adds on just for my own little plug. (laughs) No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I hear you. Cause it makes it like, I think it makes it more primal and more connective. Right. Mm -hmm. And humans have been connecting through music since they existed. Right. I mean, since time started, Um, we've been using music across every single culture imaginable. And on the like neuroscience side of it, like the, it's the only stimuli in the world 
that activates the, or it, I'm sorry, it activates the most parts of your brain. There's no other stimuli in the world that activates that much of your brain at one time. And then also it's like uh, they've deemed it like a hardwired brain language. So like any, no matter what language you speak, like you can understand a sad melody or a, um, an angry melody or things like that. So that's really cool for our, you know, breaking those barriers of being different cultures, different religions, different ethnicities. Um, we all, there's something that happens when we all come together with music, right? You can even just remember times of being at a concert, like you don't know anyone, but you feel so connected to everyone there all singing your favorite song. And, um, so that's some of the like cool stuff on the, like, if you're a sciencey neuro person, those are not my words. I'm not great with them. But what I learn and can pick up from that is I know those are really strong. Uh, like there's really strong uh, research in the brain and connection to music. It is, is fascinating. Cool. Yeah, I never thought about that way. But you're 100% right. That like a sad song is a sad song for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a minor chord pl- played. Everyone, their response is, that sounds sad. A major chord. Everyone says, that sounds happy. Uh, a more diminished chord, people say, sounds creepy. It's it's cre- kind of cool. Or not kind of, it is cool. <laughs> it's very cool. It's very cool. That's like hardwired into us as like a way of communicating. Because I can't think of like, do other animals do that? Right? It's music is like, is a wholly human thing. Mm-mm. Birds? Dolphins and oh. whales yeah. uh, use music or sounds to connect. There's actually... I just learned this recently in Cabo in like February that whales um, like sing different songs based on where they're from. Like oh. if they were born in Cabo versus Alaska, uh, at least th- these are talking about humpback whales, but the songs like continuous, like as they go or something. I don't know. This is kind of what the guy said without knowing I was a music therapist. So I didn't prompt this, <laughs> um, but he kind of explained it that way. And then dolphins communicate through, I don't, I don't know if theirs is as much like song or just sound, but I mean, I guess animals, they're all their communication is via sound. Um, so, but I, I don't, and Ooh, another fun fact. This is kind of off topic. Whales are very empathetic. Humpback whales. At least this guy said when he has tours, if there is a kid crying on the boat, the whales will come closer. They're very like the humpback whales are very empathetic to sound again it's that sound like they know even though wild yeah their animals don't their children don't make the same sound but when a baby or a toddler five-year-old i don't know whoever is crying the whales come closer that's kind of creepy i mean it's like that's so weird that they have that in them yeah yeah so I tried, if anyone was wondering, I tried crying? to make whiny sounds so that they would come closer. And I don't know that it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to cry and be upset so the whale can come take care of you. I, I mean, it was fake sounds, so maybe they knew the difference. But I was like, please come closer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe you needed more emotion with it. You need to be like, you need to really feel it. You know, the whale's not going to come out for a two-bit acting part. They want like the real thing. Right. <laughs> But yeah, the beautiful, the the beauty of sound and connection. Um, we can even communicate with whales through it. <laughs> That's awesome. So as we're wrapping up here, can you say a little bit about where people can find you, um, mm-hmm. what services you offer, uh, and how you can be helped to a listener that might be going through something similar? 
Yeah. So uh, get in tune music therapy. If you type that into Google, we will come up. Um, and on our website, you'll see that we offer um, to send music therapist, appropriately trained music therapist. I'll um, clarify that. Not all are, have been trained to work in mental health. So appropriately trained music therapist to come into your treatment centers. But then for the personal listeners, we have individual sessions. We have group sessions. We have drop-in sessions that are 15 bucks a session. Um, we have uh, like in, it's called an in, in tune therapeutic study where it's just you and 12 sessions for 97 bucks that you can get and do it whenever and however you want without anyone guiding you through, or you can hire one of us. Um, we have stuff for employees. We have stuff like if you want to bring it to your, your company, we did, we tried apartment life during the COVID, but <laughs> we only did a few of those, you know, so there's, um, what we have lots of different options and price points for whatever you're looking for from a group, small group to individually by yourself, all the way to, to an individual music therapy session. So basically whatever you need, whatever you yeah. need, contact Marlis, check out get in tune music therapy. Looks and like you on, have something for everybody. Yeah. And we're on Instagram, Facebook. I'm personally on LinkedIn. I need to be better at probably doing business LinkedIn stuff. But Instagram and Facebook, we're there posting stuff all the time as well. Also, Great. it's Get In Tune Music Therapy. Everything is Get In Tune Music Therapy. <laughs> no, thanks for listening. Um, if you like the podcast, uh, share it, like it, spread it out. It really helps with a new fledgling podcast like this one. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. That helps a ton. If you're going to do one thing, do that. That really helps to get more people listening to this and getting value from these conversations. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time.